seat, please. Open up in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, the last chapter of Ephesians. We've been going through the book of Ephesians as a church. We are in our last couple weeks in the book. Thank you, Jerry. That, uh, that is deliberate feedback in case you're wondering. That's to get your attention. <laughs> so thanks for being here. Um, come on in and have a seat. We are glad you're here together with us. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be going through verses 18 to 20. This is the final piece of God's armor that we're going to be looking at today. So let's look together at God's Word. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you, you command us to pray, but not to add another Christian duty. God, you command us to pray so that we may know how to stand in your armor, so that we may stand firm in your armor. God, you command us to pray because you, you are ever ready to give us aid. God, you command us to pray because you want us not to leave your presence. You want us to not go far from you. So, Lord, you invite us to pray. You command us to pray for our good, for our enjoyment, and for the good of this glorious mission you've called us to. God, I pray that as I speak today that you'd use my words to, to do what you would have them accomplish. God, would your words bear fruit? Would you help me preach faithfully? Would you help us listen to your words? Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, stir our minds. May we, may we learn how to honor you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, several years ago, in 2005, in Afghanistan, there was Lieutenant, Lieutenant Michael Murphy, and he went with a, a band of three or four other guys to accomplish a mission. And as they went to accomplish their mission, they got ambushed. They were actually surrounded by the enemy. There were over 50 enemy forces around four guys. They were surrounded. They were outnumbered. They were overwhelmed. And the biggest problem they, they faced was not just their overwhelming forces, but that they had no means of communication with the outside world. They had no means of communication to be able to call in support, to call in help, to call to their brothers in arms. And so they were trapped, and Lieutenant Michael Murphy, as most of you know, he, he won the, the Medal of Honor, giving his life, risking his life to go out into the open because they were in a place where they could not get out any communication, so he went out into the open. He was hit several times, making a call that eventually resulted in one of his buddies getting rescued later. 
even though he lost his life, it was really the communications that were the key to, to the rescue operation. It's said that the key to the effectiveness of, of a good army is its communication. If, if an army is cut off, if an army is isolated, if, if a group is cut off from communications, it can be deadly. It can result in great loss. There's, there's no different for those of us who are in God's army. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about this metaphor that Paul is using as he is chained to a Roman soldier. And he's looking at this Roman soldier most likely. He's getting this metaphor of this, of this soldier. And then he, he's telling us that that's, that's really like us. We are in a cosmic struggle. We're in a battle with these forces of wickedness in high places. With these authorities and principalities and powers. And so we must take up the full armor of God. But it's not just about the different weapons in isolation. It's all the weapons together that God has given us for our defense. But there is a critical component that, that we did not cover last week on purpose so that we can spend more time on it this week. And that, that seventh piece of the armor, if you will, is really prayer. You see, this isn't separate from that list of the full armor of God. This is the all-encompassing all-prayer weapon, as John Bunyan called it. This is what God has given us so that we don't become isolated, so that we can maintain communications with him, so that we can maintain a close communication with him in all of our lives, in every trouble that we face, in any trial, in any circumstance, in any situation, no matter how overwhelming and how large the foe. We've been given this full armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the, the helmet of salvation. But we've also been given perhaps the most critical component. It's being able to communicate with headquarters, knowing that we will never be cut off. We've been given the ability to communicate with the supreme commander-in-chief himself. God himself directly encourages us to come to him directly. Not through an intermediary, not through any other means, but he says, come to me, and I want to always be in this kind of communication with you. You see, God's not some distant, uninvolved commander that he has to come from afar. God is near to us. He is with us. He stands ever ready to give us help. He's actively involved over every aspect of our lives and the, and the war that we're engaged in. And so this passage that we're looking at in Ephesians 6, 18, we're not just told to wear our armor, but to wear it, if you will, covered in prayer at all times. The main idea of these verses seems to be that Christians must continually take up prayer. Christians must continually take up prayer. He's been talking about taking up the full armor of God. This is a portion of the armor of God, really continuation from verse 14 down. So we are called to continually be taking up prayer if we are to stand firm in God's armor. Prayer is here actually highlighted more than the other weapons of God's armor. And that's significant if you think about it. You think, oh, I, just need, I just need to stand firm in my faith. Yes, but don't do that apart from prayer. I need to put on the helmet of salvation and remember that I've been saved by God's grace. Yes, but do that in prayer. I need to make sure that I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Yes, and you do that in prayer. I, I need to re be reminded of the gospel of peace that I've been given and care that everywhere I go. Yes, and do that in prayer. I need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Yes, take up that sword in prayer is what Paul is saying. We continually, 
must take up prayer if we're to stand firm in God's armor. So look in verse 14 for a moment, if you will. If you have your Bibles with you, look down there. If you don't have a Bible, look on with somebody beside you. We see in verse 14 the main imperative for the whole passage. You see it? See what the main imperative there is in verse 14? And by the way, when you're reading Scripture, look for imperatives like this as kind of keys, highlights to what is, what is God trying to emphasize? And so what's the imperative in verse 14? It's, it's stand, therefore. Stand, therefore. And then it really goes on to tell us how to stand, to stand in the full armor of God. But it doesn't end in verse 17. So in verse 14, it says, stand, therefore. Now imagine there's a dot, 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 and then each one of the ways you stand. So stand, therefore. Now skip to verse 18. And it tells us how to stand. It says, stand therefore, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So the first thing that Paul wants his readers to understand in putting this armor of God on and standing is that we don't just pray once, we're to pray all times. And I think that's the first point that that he's, he's trying to get us to see and that I want to draw your attention to is that we must pray at all times if we are to stand firm in God's armor. You see, we are in a raucous battle. And and the means that God has given us to put on his armor is the gift of prayer. Paul's been telling us we're engaged in spiritual warfare with these unseen, powerful foes. But we're not left defenseless. We've been given God's armor and we stand in God's armor. But now, how are we to stand in God's armor? So he says, stand therefore. And he gives us all the different pieces. Stand therefore, stand therefore, stand therefore, stand therefore. Stand praying at all times. And you get almost this picture, if you can picture in your head this, this warrior and he's standing there and he's, he's putting this helmet on, he's putting this breastplate on, he's, he's girding himself with this, this belt of truth. He's putting on these, these gospel cleats that will help him stand firm. He's taking up this sword and then just as you expect him to get ready to slash the enemy, it says stand praying. Stand praying. It's one of the primary ways that we're to carry out battle, if you will, is is putting on all the components of God's armor, praying. We stand in God's armor, dependently praying at all times. You see, what's the picture here? Is it a picture of a soldier who's just confident in their own abilities? Of a soldier who says, okay, I'm good, I've got this now. I've got God's armor on now, so I'm okay. I've got the breastplate, I've got everything I need, so I'm good. Let me go out. No. Why does it say stand and praying at all times? Because God wants us to know that we are never in a place where we are not dependent upon him. We are never in a place where we can just go out. Now that God's given us his armor, we can just go out and do battle. No. We're called to go out and do battle. Yes, confidently, yes, but not confident in ourselves or even in the armor. We're confident in God's armor and we're confident in the fact that he is the one who enables us. He is the one who empowers us to face every trial, every temptation, every evil force out there. And notice that it says, at all times. Before we dive really into, what does it mean to be praying at all times? What does that look like? Does it mean we're mumbling under our breath all the time? We'll, we'll, we'll know, but, but before we get to that, I, I, there's an assumption here. There's an, a very important assumption that Apostle Paul is making. And, and the assumption is that we can pray at all times. The assumption is that we are able to. You see, God never gives us a command that we're not able to do. So he's commanding us, be praying Stand, therefore, be praying at all times. The assumption is you can. You can. You have the ability. You have the equipment. You have been enabled to pray at all times. And there's two aspects that are important to note of this. The first is that unlike 
Michael Murphy and his crew, there's never a time when we will ever be cut off from communication. There's never a time when we have to fear that the enemy forces are so great that we no longer are able to communicate with our God. There's never a time when we have to wonder, will our communications be cut? Are we too far from God? Are we in a place where he will not hear us? Are we down in a low valley surrounded by mountains where he can't hear? No. See, the implication is that we can always be praying. Why? Because God is always in communication with us. Those communications with God will never cease. Jesus said he will never leave us nor forsake us. And think about what you know, at Christmas time we sing Emmanuel, right? What does that mean? It means God with us. In Philippians, it also talks about how we can be anxious for nothing, but before that verse is commanding us to be anxious for nothing, it says, the Lord is at hand. You see, in every moment of our lives, we can be assured that we're able to pray at all times. Why? Because he's never left us. He's never forsaken us. He will never cease communicating with you. You ever feel like you're all alone? You ever feel like somehow God's not hearing you? You see, what that is, is that's a temptation of the devil to tell you that God doesn't really hear you. You're too far gone. You've sinned too much. You're in too dark of a place. You're not doing the right things. You're not going to church. You're not having fellowship. You're not being faithful. But those are lies, and we must take up this gift, this weapon of prayer, Say, no, I, I always have a means to speak to the Father. Why? Because I've been, I've been given his spirit. Jesus is always with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. I don't know if you've ever been tempted, but I know I have. When, yeah, when I'm feeling far from God, you ever feel far from God, by the way? You ever feel distant? You see, that's, that's only distance in, from our perspective. God is ever present with us. He's ever ready And so what do we need to do when we times we feel distant? We need to, to preach the truth to us, take up the belt of truth by praying, and say, no, God is not far from me. He is with me. He's given me his Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm gonna pray to him knowing that no matter how I feel, not trusting my feelings, I know he hears me. I know I'm in constant communication with my commander. He is ever present with me. So in light of this, we're told to stand, therefore, in God's full armor, continually praying. Prayer is such an important part of our spiritual battle, so important that it's really the place that Paul spends the most time in talking about taking up the armor of God is really in prayer. He's saying is when you put the belt of truth on, pray. When you put on the breastplate, pray. When you take up a shield, pray. When you put on the helmet of salvation, pray. When you walk out with the gospel, Pray. When you take up the sword of the Spirit, pray at all times. So really, the donning of our spiritual armor, it's, it's to be bathed in, it's to be, it's to be clothed and grounded in, covered in a reliance upon God, and dependent looking to God, trusting to God through prayer. Because God is, is really, he's, he's the giver of the armor. He's the one that we, we need He's the one we trust in. It's his strength that we require. And he's the one who's going to enable us to do what he tells us to do, which is to stand firm. So isn't it interesting that all these commands that Paul's been giving us to put on the armor of God and all of it under that, that main imperative, stand therefore? Well, how do we stand? We stand relying on God. We stand relying on God in prayer. 
And so all of these imperatives are really couched in one place. We're to stand at all times relying on God to stand at the very first. So look in verse 14, 18. It says how we're commanded to be praying. It says praying, listen to these, these words, at all times, with all prayer, with all perseverance, for all the saints. As you notice the theme there, Paul is saying four times in these verses, he's driving home a point, prayer is something we're doing all of the time, persevering in for all the saints is indispensable for the Christian who wants to and needs to stand in God's armor against the enemy's attack. If you have been under attack, and I would assume you have been if you're a Christian, if you've been under attack and you're aware of the attack of the enemy, if you're aware of temptations to doubt and fear and unbelief, if you're aware of temptations to think, I must not really be a Christian because I keep sinning, if you're aware of the temptations to feel like you are not at peace with God, you, you need to pray and say, God, I... I can't do this on my own. I can't even put on your armor on my own. But thanks be to God that you, you enable me. You're ever present with me at all times. There's a great man of God of old, a guy named George Mueller. He built five large orphanage houses and he helped to care for over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. He did all this while he was preaching three times a week, at least 10,000 times in a lifetime, and yet, amazingly, through five different orphanages and all of the ministry, he, he had this unusual gift of, of a prayer of faith. But, but it really wasn't too unusual. They asked George Mueller once, George, do you have the gift of faith? And he says, no, I, I have the grace of faith, and I, and I pick it up in prayer. He never asked for donations for the orphanages. After he turned 70, he turned the orphanages over to his daughter-in-law. Then he traveled after that at 70 years old. Then he traveled to 42 different countries. And this is not in the time when it was easy to do that. He preached over 3 million people from age 70 to 87. Talk about having a right view of retirement. He went back and he preached and he taught in his hometown from 87 until he died when he was 92 years old. Mueller once shared the reason for the success he had seen in ministry. And here's what he said. He said, I live. I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about, when I lie down, when I rise up, and the answers are always coming. I love that Aaron shared this morning, by the way, about how God has been answering prayers in really specific ways for us as a church. And it's just been neat to see this God's active presence in our church. And so George Mueller was looking for this. He says, he says, I pray all the time and the answers are always coming. He said, thousands and tens of thousands of times have my prayers been answered. Listen, thousands and tens of thousands. I don't think this guy was exaggerating. Have all my prayers been answered? When once I'm persuaded that a thing is right and for the glory of God, and that's the, the category for prayer, by the way, that's a good category for us to keep in mind. When it's right in God's eyes, when it's for the glory of God, he says, I go on praying for it until the answer comes. George Mueller never gives up. <laughs> he was standing firm in prayer. Then I love, he says, if I, a poor man, simply by prayer and faith, obtained without asking any individual the means for establishing and carrying on an orphan house, then this would provide visible proof that God is still faithful and hears prayer still. The night before he died, he, he led a prayer meeting and 
He was found dead the next day beside his bed. He'd obviously been praying and just fallen over. I think that's the kind of life we're to lead, a life that anticipates God to work, a life that's praying and asking for God to empower us and enable us to give us faith. We're in this never-ending struggle. The forces of weakness and the powers of evil were constantly surrounded. We're to never let up. And it says to, to pray with all kinds of prayer. What does that mean? It, pray, it means we're to be praying at all times, not with just one kind of prayer. Not just, God, please forgive me when I've sinned. Yes, those are good. We must pray that way. Because we experience his free forgiveness. We, we appropriate it to ourselves when we ask his forgiveness, and that's an appropriate thing to pray, but that's not the only kinds of prayers, prayers of repentance. We're also to pray prayers of supplication, he says, or, or asking God for things. It's appropriate. Maybe you feel guilty or feel awkward asking God for things. You should feel no more guilty or awkward than my two-year-old son did this morning when he was asking for Something he really didn't need in the car, but I was happy to give it. He was asking for gum on the way. Can I have some gum? Sure, you can have some gum. Why not? You know, hey, if it gets in your hair, we'll just cut it off. You're a boy. Um, <laughs> I, I am desirous of giving my children good things. And if you are a parent, you know that heart's desire. You want to give your kids good things. And so Jesus said, if you ask the father for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. It's talking about a willingness of God to, to give us what is needed. And that's not, not always what we want. And there's a distinction there. To give us what we need. Now sometimes we're confused about what we think we need. is not always what we need. And so when God always answers our prayers, sometimes he answers our prayers by saying no. But we're still called to say, God, I'm, I'm coming to you with this need. I'm submitting this need to you. I'm making supplication. I'm asking you to come and, and be with me. To God, enable me. So we're not just told to, to make supplications. It says, uh, pray praying. And, and that, now, we don't get the nuances there, but that, that word is, is almost like pray interceding or pray on behalf of someone else. And we'll see what Paul means by that later. So there's all manner, all kinds of prayers. And, and prayer doesn't have to be this massively complex thing. I think we can make a lot out of prayer that it really wasn't meant to be. We think that we have to have a, a prayer voice. Oh, God, I pray that you would bless me. I mean, there's, there's, there's no such thing. God's like, what's wrong with your voice? Like, you were just normal a minute ago, and then you closed your eyes, and it got all weird. I mean, I think sometimes God must be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, that's a little weird, but I'll listen. And, you know, um, we don't have to have a special voice when we pray. We don't have to put on this holy air. We're, yes, we're coming before God, but we're coming before God. We can talk to him. He's a person. We can talk to him like a person. Praying at all times means being constantly aware it's not a, some magical incantation either. Um, we're we're going to take uh, another week next week, and I'm going to unpack what is it, how do we pray. And we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer next week. It's a little hiatus for a week, then we're going to finish up Ephesians, and then we're going to go into Acts after that. But um, I think we need instruction as a church because I think this is an area we're really weak in. We're weak in this. We're weak in praying. I think the first reason we're weak in praying is because we are not aware of our need to pray. We're not aware that we must pray if we're to take up the full armor of God. We must be praying at all times. If we hope to stand, we must be praying at all times. And so God asks us to pray. 
So praying at all times, doesn't mean mumbling at ourselves, well, no, but it's a posture of the heart. It's a posture of the heart where we are continually aware that God is with us. It's a posture of the heart that is ever in communion with God, ever aware of God. Like what a guy, an old monk said from the, from the Middle Ages, Brother Lawrence, he had a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Not everything in that book is, is flawless, but there's some wonderful principles there about being near to God. And he once said, the time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of the kitchen while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, and he's picturing being in his monastery with all these people in the kitchen, there's noise. And he says, the time of business doesn't differ with me from the time of prayer. And the noise and clatter of the kitchen while Several persons are at the same time calling for different things. I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. I think he understood what it means to be praying at all times. You know, most people in the room have jobs of some kind. You know, maybe you're home and you are taking care of children and you have an exhausting job. And you know as you're in the midst of things that you just can't stop and just pray all day long even though people might think that's what you do. But if you're up at home with little toddlers you know that there's no time where it feels like it. But we're still able in those moments to be praying at all times. Maybe you're in school and you actually have to be listening to a lecture. What does it mean to be praying at all times then? Maybe I'm at work and I'm, I have to be talking or I'm, I'm a teacher or whatever you might be. How can we do this? Well, we can be praying at all times as a posture of our hearts, continually aware that God is with us, continually depending upon God, continually aware of our need for God. And it, and it could look like in those moments. I know it used to look like that for me before I go into a business meeting and make a presentation, making a pitch for a few million dollars. And I would go into those times and I'd say, God, help me. I, I need wisdom. Lord, give me favor. Give me grace. Let me say the words I need to say and not say the ones I shouldn't. And it looks like that constant dependency upon God. It looks like when you're taking care of the kids and they, you feel like you're at your wit's end, saying, God, I need your help. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not that you have to always be mumbling and be weird, but it, it does mean this is constant posture. You're communicating with God because you are aware he is ever present with you. He hears you. He's aware of everything. So praying at all times, it's also linked to the next point that we're going to look at. And you see that Paul tells us to do. He says we must pray in the Spirit. So point number two is we must pray in the Spirit. We must pray in the Spirit if we're to stand firm in God's armor. So we're to stand, therefore, praying at all times, and we must do that in the Spirit. We must do that in the Spirit. Now, how is that linked to praying at all times? Well, the first way that it's linked to praying at all times is the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us. Who are we praying to? We're praying to God. Where is God? God's with us. We can continually be in the Spirit, meaning we can be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit continually. We can be praying at all times because the Spirit is with us at all times. I, I was thinking about how in so many different cop shows or cop movies that you know, often the, the, one of the partners will go into this meeting with the bad guys and they're trying to out them and so um, they'll have this earpiece on, and so they can hear their partner the whole time and, and then they'll have a mic and they know that they can always be heard and so there's a measure of assurance and comfort knowing that they really aren't apart. 
They have that constant communication. They have a security there. Well, we have been given something even better. We've been given the Holy Spirit, and so we can constantly pray in the Spirit, knowing that he's not just in our ears, he's in our heads, he's in, he's in our hearts. He's with us the whole time. No matter what enemy we face, no matter what evil we face, we are always taking the, the Spirit with us because God's given us the Spirit. He doesn't withdraw If you've been made alive in Christ Jesus, now here's the key point. If you have put your faith, put your trust in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've asked him to rescue you, to save you, you can put your faith in the fact that he says he gives his spirit to us. He makes us alive with the spirit. And so we can pray in the spirit. It's not like making a telephone call. It's like we're talking to an ever-present friend who lives with us and inside of us because that's just just what the Holy Spirit is. You are never alone. And then in this verse, although in 1 Corinthians there seems to be something in Corinthians that Paul is talking about that seems to be a personal gift of prayer that has to do something with tongues. This is is not what it's talking about here when it says praying in the Spirit. This is It's not the context, the gift isn't given to all people, but yet this command is to all people, so Paul is saying, though, to pray in accordance with the Spirit. He's saying to pray in or by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're to to pray keeping in step with the Spirit, aligned with the Spirit, aligned with what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, and how that will help filter how we pray and what we pray about. If we're praying in the Spirit with an awareness of what's pleasing to the Spirit, then we're going to filter our prayers so that these prayers are not selfish, self-oriented only prayers, but they are prayers that are given by the Spirit, praying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, praying to the Father as those being filled with the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit, guided in prayer by the Spirit. Romans eight twenty six. It tells us a little bit about this, and it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to, what to pray for as we ought. And I, you ever find yourself in that place where you don't know what to pray for as you ought? I find myself there a lot. It says, but the Spirit, here's our hope, we can pray in the Spirit, knowing the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, he knows our heart. But he also knows what we need to pray for. He knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, praying In the spirit means praying with an awareness that we've been given God's spirit and that he is praying for us and we can trust in him even when our words are inadequate. John Bunyan, he's the famous author of Pilgrim's Progress and we started going through that with my kids again. It's been a joy to go through it yet again. Every few years, I'd encourage you, if you haven't gone through the Pilgrim's Progress in a few years, go through it again to encourage your faith. But he's reading about John Bunyan and he says, prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised or according to the word of God for the good of the church with submission and faith to the will of God. What a, what a great definition of prayer. And what a, what a great way of looking at prayer as being really in the Spirit, all about God. We pray listening for the Spirit to guide us, to give us things to pray for, to assist us. I know a few weeks ago, personally, I was on the way somewhere, and I thought, you know what, I just need to pray for this, this guy. 
this guy that I know, and I, I don't have any clue why, so I just texted him, hey man, I'm praying for you, and I was on the way, and then I found out, I saw the friend recently, it turns out the reason I'd been prompted to pray for him was because he was going through some pretty severe difficulties in his life, and that was the exact day, weekend, that he was going through those challenges. That was the day when he, something was going to be revealed that he did not know that was going to challenge and shake his faith or, be, or tempt him to. You see, that's, that's praying in the Spirit. He's just being open and listening. When God puts somebody else in your heart, take that moment. Just pray for them. It doesn't have to be complex. You don't have to know what you're praying about. You can pray trusting in the Holy Spirit. God directs his children often and pressing us to pray for each other. My wife got a call from somebody this week and... Um, I think it was Ann Menard, and if it wasn't, I'm sorry, but uh, I think I got a call from Ann saying, hey, Julie, I've been praying for you all this week, and Julie's like, wow, that's great, because we've, I've just had a rough week. There's been a lot on my plate, a lot of different things I had to do. We were closing on the loan of our house and a bunch of other stuff, and so that was really timely. That's, that's praying in the Spirit. It doesn't have to be complex. You can trust that the Holy Spirit's with you. He'll speak to you, and he'll enable you to know what to pray about, not just for yourself, but for other people as well. So Paul's telling us we continually take up prayer if we stand firm in God's armor. And then he wrote, he tells us really the posture of our prayers. He tells us how, how, what does it look like to be praying in God's armor. And he tells us, he says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So if we're to pray in the spirit and pray at all times, what is he saying? He's saying you have to be paying attention. You have to be keeping watch. You have to be alert He's saying, really, keep watch in prayer. What's the third thing we're looking at? Keep watch in prayer. We must keep watch in prayer for to stand firm in God's armor. You see, in the first century, often a city or a battlefield position would be surrounded with a wall, and, and what they would often erect was, was watchtowers along the wall or around the camp. And they would station soldiers in those watchtowers. And it was their job to keep alert, to be on the lookout, to be ever vigilant. Because it was critical to, not only to them, but to the whole army, that they, they keep alert, they keep watch, they, they persevere. Why? Because if they did not keep watch, the enemy might creep in and gain a foothold in the camp. If they weren't keeping watch, then enemy might come in and open up the gates and allow all kinds of junk in. And so this is kind of the posture that it's talking about. It's this military kind of keeping watch. It's this watchman on the watchtower, keeping watch, living in a way that says, I'm going to see that my whole life is spiritual. There's not one aspect of my life that's non-spiritual. My work over here is not spiritual. How I raise my kids is not spiritual. No, that's not what it's saying. He's saying that in every part of our lives, it's spiritual. So why? We must keep watch because we're always in a battle. We're always in the thick of it. We must keep watch continually because the enemy's all around in every area of our lives. Every area of our lives is spiritual, so every area of our lives should be bathed in prayer, keeping watch if you expect to stand firm in God's armor, he's saying we have to dependently pray. Pray keeping watch in the spirit, empowered by the spirit, to keep alert, he's saying with all perseverance. This is a dependent lifestyle, isn't it? You see, that's what we're called to as disciples of Jesus Christ is we're called not to self-sufficiency, but we are called to prayer, not because God wants us to feel guilty when we don't, but because he wants us to be dependent upon him because he wants to bless us. He wants to to care for us as his children. 
be alert to the end is kind of the implication here. Constantly looking to the end, to the return of Christ, persevering to the end, being alert in prayer. He's saying don't fall asleep at your post. Keep alert in prayer. Remember when Jesus, when he was praying in the garden and what did his disciples do? They, they fell asleep. They fell asleep on him when he was in his hour of temptation to let the cup pass and, and he was saying, could you pray with me? And he goes and he says, you know, keep watch in prayer. Why? So that you're, you're not tempted. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, it wasn't just for that moment. That, that's, that's really for all of us. It's the same word here. Keep watch. Why? Because the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watch. You won't fall into temptation. If you are a Christian, I think you would have experienced by now some kind of temptation, right? If you're a Christian, have you ever experienced temptation? Put your hand up if you've experienced temptation of some kind as a Christian. Just some kind. It's okay. Why are we to be keeping watch? Why? Because the spirit's willing, our flesh is weak. We need to keep alert, praying, so that we're able to stand in the face of temptation. If you're experiencing weariness, discouragement, this morning I encourage you to turn to Jesus in prayer. Tell God about your weariness. That's, a, that's an appropriate prayer. Tell God about your discouragement and turn to him. But then I'd encourage you to not stay there. Do what the psalmist did. If you ever read through the psalms, there's, there's some familiar patterns in the psalms. And what the psalmist typically does is he'll lament, he'll pour out his soul. God, why have you abandoned my soul? But then he, in his prayer, and a lot of the psalms are prayers, in his prayer, he, he preaches truth. He takes up the belt of truth. He puts on the breastplate of righteousness. He puts on the helmet of salvation in his prayer. It's turning our minds from all of the enemies that we face practically in prayer and turning our truths from discouragement and weariness saying, but God, like the psalmist, but God, you are mighty. But God, you are faithful. But God, you are able. But God, you are the God who saves. But God, I wear your righteousness. But God, thank you for your word that tells me your true promises. But God, thank you that you've given me the gospel, that I have peace with you. I have no need for discouragement. Lord, thank you that you say you are my strength. You are my righteous right hand. You you hold me in your hand. And you'll never let me go. Keeping watch in prayer looks like turning our souls from a focus on ourselves and our feelings to to a focus on God, taking up every piece of armor in prayer. And standing with our armor, walking those battlements, keeping a keen eye. Why? Because in every season, in every situation of life, it is a moment when we need God. So we're to look for opportunities to pray to shore up our defenses. It's also important to see that the Christian life, the Christian walk is not just about us. This letter to the Ephesians, Paul is driving home the theme that we're not alone, we're part of God's people. If you remember, what's the big idea? Is that we're a radical new humanity in Christ. And so we're not just soldiers on our own. We're not this lone soldier going out to fight these forces of evil. We're not even just four people. We are a mighty People of God, a radical new creation in him. And we're not just called to pray for ourselves. 
You see this, this, this radical new humanity we've been called to be a part of. We're called to, to pray for them as well. We're called to pray for our fellow combatants. To make supplication, he says, for all the saints. What, he, what is he saying here? The fourth point we're going to look at is that we must pray for each other. We must pray for each other. He says, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Paul was aware that we need to pray for each other. We don't just pray for ourselves. We do. We must pray for ourselves. We must pray for all the saints as well. And he says, and also for me. The point is we must pray for each other if we're to stand firm in God's faith. On the battlefield, an army relies on each other. Thanks be to God that he's not put us in this fight alone. If you look around the room, he's given you many fellow soldiers that you can stand firm with. Now here's the thing though, at any given point in time, each person has strengths and weaknesses and you need to be praying for the person who's weak in an area. Why? Not just for their good, for your good too. It's how we together can lock arms and stand firm. Success of an army depends on soldiers working together towards a common purpose and a common mission, but also depends on them defending each other. In a firefight, it's critical to know that your fellow soldier has your back, isn't it? And yet when you know that, you, you can go forward in faith. That's the effect that our prayers have for other people. When um, my wife got that call this week, it, it had that, that effect to buoy her, to, to encourage her to realize that, yes, yeah, somebody's got my back. I can do this. I can go forward. Prayer is a practical means that we can encourage one another, build each other one of, another up in love. And if we're going to stand firm in God's armor, we need to have each other's back, be watching out for the enemy. You know, none of us can see in all directions at all times, can we? But you know what? Here's the good news. We don't have to. We, God's, God's not only over everything. He's also given us fellow soldiers to, to pray, to see things that we don't see, see weaknesses, see areas we need to pray for. And he says, pray for all the saints and also for me. My hope every Sunday morning is that somehow God uses my words for his glory. That's my hope every morning, every Sunday morning, that he's gonna make the words that he gives effective for his purposes. My hope for our church is that we will be a people who see ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's my hope that we'll always be growing as disciples of Jesus Christ. I would love in five years from now if if we are so making disciples that we are known as a church that makes disciples. That we would become a church that's known far and wide for being people who are flawed but growing and making disciples of Jesus in, in the workplace, in neighborhoods, in the cities, so that the entire upstate is, is changed by the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's that won't happen unless we pray. Why? Because we can't stand firm unless we pray. We're not gonna be able to stand firm in God's armor unless we are praying. Now, it is my earnest prayer that God will enable us to be effective on the mission he's called us to together as a church, but we cannot just pray for ourselves. We need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for our mission as a church. We need to be praying that God would enable us to bear fruit, to be fruitful in our own lives, but God would enable our brothers and sisters, God would enable our small groups, 
God would enable our small group leader to be effective. God would enable me, your pastor, Aaron, your other pastor, you enable Mario the intern, especially as we look forward to the, to the month of March. Mario's going to be teaching four different weeks on our mission together. There is no way we can do any of that, no way he can be effective, no way we can all be effective unless we stand firm in prayer. So church, if you are left with anything, what should be left with the fact that this is a call to prayer, not just because of duty, but because God wants he wants to bless us. He wants to answer our prayers. He ever stands ready. He wants to, us to be able to stand firm. If you're going to stand firm as a Christian for the next 30, 40, 50 years, however many years you have left, he wants you to stand firm in prayer. It's the only way we will change and be encouraged and stay focused on our mission and not give up because you know why? We're all desperate we're all desperate. We all need to know and experience the power of God in our lives. There was this, I don't know if you've watched the old movie, I can't recommend it, There's, but back in 1985, I think I was 13 or 14, I, I saw this movie called Back to the Future, if you remember it or not. And um, In this movie, they were trying to go back to the future and they were in this DeLorean that was lacking power and so they were trying to figure out some way to power this flux capacitor that was sent them as time machine, sent them back to the future, back to 1985. Which is kind of weird to think about that was the future. But actually 2014, I think, was the year they went back to, which is kind of funny. And in the movie, they were looking for some kind of power source, something that would invigorate that, that flux capacitor. And so they're looking for something. And so they're so desperate, they rig up a, a cable to a clock tower and they wait for the lightning to strike. And so this, this lightning strikes and, and 1.21 gigawatts of power go flowing into this DeLorean, which that's what it would take for a DeLorean to run very long. And it goes, 1.21 gigawatts of power goes into the DeLorean, it goes into the future, propels this car. And I was thinking about, you know, for us as Christians, we have no way to go forward on our mission. We have no way to go into the future. We have no way to carry out the mission he's called us to unless we are given an external power source unless he enables us in a way that we're not able on our own. Now, we don't need a lightning strike and we're not looking for like these big explosions in our lives, but we are looking for God to empower us and to enable us. We're looking to God through really the conduit of prayer to work in our hearts and minds, to give us hope, to enable us to stand firm. I love that, that Matt Drago read that passage in, in Ephesians 1. I'm gonna read it to you again this morning. In Ephesians 1, 18, it says... He's praying that, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What's Paul doing? He's praying. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. We need God to empower us through prayer. But God has great and unlimited power. More than 1.21 gigawatts. He, he has unlimited power that is sustainable. 
It's not a one-time shot. It's a sustainable power that God wants to continually give to us through this conduit of prayer to enable us what? Not to live these false overcoming lives where everything we do is um, conquering, everything we do is bad. Is no, what we're doing is, he is we're able to endure all manner of trials and suffering, all manner of temptations. We're able to combat evil. We're able to stand firm in God's armor like Paul was standing firm in God's armor. But where was Paul? He was in jail. He was in prison. And so he, he knew that he relied on prayer. He wasn't invisible, somehow self-sufficient. I can just imagine the picture of the Apostle Paul. He is this soldier whose armor is probably dented. <laughs> He's got a shield, and sticking out of the shield are all kinds of broken shafts. And it just testifies to, he's been in a lot of battles. And he, he's gotten to the place where he's confident in God, but you know what? He's never confident in himself. He's praying. He, he's saying, pray for me that words might be given to me for opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He's letting him know prayer is essential for him to be able to proclaim the gospel. He knows that he needs prayer if he's able to be effective to carry out the gospel of peace. This is the great apostle to the Gentiles, and he's saying, pray for me also. Pray for me also. He wrote a significant portion of the New Testament Bible. He had lots of words. Paul seemed to be a pretty smart guy, didn't he? He seemed to have no loss for words. But yet he knew that he relied on God to be able to speak every word. And so he prays. He says, pray for me that, that words might be given to me in opening my mouth. He needed to be enabled by God to be bold in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel just like you and I need to be enabled to be bold in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. You need to be praying for each other especially as we face this coming month and we're going to be learning about um, being effective on mission. Living on mission. We need to be praying for each other. Pray for our church. Pray that God would make us effective. Pray that God would encourage that he would build up. That he would give us words to speak. Jesus himself needed prayer. Paul wasn't the only one who needed to pray. Jesus needed prayer and time with God to refresh his own soul after he ministered. And we see a picture of that in Luke 15. It says, and large crowds were gathering to hear him in Luke 15 and be healed of their sicknesses. But, so would Jesus just get about the work? No, what would he do? He said, but Jesus himself would slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus himself saw his need to be in communion and communication with God. He would slip away to be alone with God in prayer. He knew he needed time to be with God. Sadly, I know that there are many times that I just kind of get about to work. You ever do that? God's called you to some things. I've got a rough day. I've got a lot of things on my plate. You know, I just get, I need to get about to work. And God says, no, you need to be about to work praying. Not legalistically, because that's your power source. That's how God enables you. That's how God equips you with his armor is through praying. God, keep me from being self-righteous. Lord, help me, enable me to have faith. Lord, enable me to remember your words today. God, enable me to have my head on straight to remember who I am in you. God, enable me to be a minister of the gospel today. God, there's no way I can do all this on my own. I need your immeasurably great power to be at work in me, Lord. You know, there's many times when I, I'm not alert to the fact that I need God and I don't keep watching prayer. And those times they reveal something in my life. You know what they reveal is they reveal a tendency to self-sufficiency, to self-righteousness. God doesn't want us to live that way. 
Not because he's saying, oh gosh, you blew it again, you self-righteous thing, you self-sufficient thing. No, he says, you know what? That doesn't work. Don't be self-sufficient. It's not going to turn out well. Come to me in prayer continually, looking to me. So if you found that you are living a life that you are rarely praying, what can you do? Repent. Say, God, forgive me for being self-sufficient. God, I need you. I need you to be able to take up every, every bit of the armor of God. And it doesn't have to be some complex thing. You don't have to pray for six hours a day, although that'd be wonderful. I don't think that's practical for most people here. But you can start small. Start tomorrow. Have a plan. Start tomorrow. So you know, I'm going to take two minutes. I'm going to pray. Lord, I need you today. If I can do one thing, I'm going to reorient my mind to the fact that I need you. I can't take up this armor. I can't fight without you. I need to be praying at all times in the spirit. He's, he reiterates really in, in asking for prayer for himself that he's reiterating prayer is really essential to deploying all the weapons of God's armor. Paul's prayer is that they would know the greatness of God's power in those verses in, in Ephesians that we looked at earlier. Now in this last chapter, he wants them to take up prayer at all times so they might not know God's power. He might enable them to stand firm. When he asked them to pray for him, here's what he says. Look down in your Bible. He says, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. His theology of prayer is not that if we only pray right, then, then good things will happen to us. Where's Paul again? He's in prison. And what's he praying for? He's saying, pray that I'll get delivered from prison because oh my goodness, there's no way God could use this. He's saying, no, pray that God will use me in prison. That God will use me in whatever circumstances I find myself in to be faithful. Prayer enabled him to do what? He says to be an ambassador in chains. He was an ambassador for the gospel and at this point in his life he was an ambassador in chains and he doesn't pray for release. He prays that his mission might be fulfilled and there's something in that that we need to be thinking about is are, are our prayers directed towards God's will? Are we looking to glorify God, to honor God in our prayers? Are we looking to say, God, your will be done. I don't like being in jail, but Lord, let me use my current situation for your glory. Now, if it's your will, let me, let me get out of jail too. That doesn't mean to praying defeated prayers. It just means trusting God, a posture of trusting God in prayer. Paul was likely about to face the supreme tribunal. It might have included Caesar himself. Although he is in chains, what was he living for? He was living for the mission to make the gospel known freely. He may have been bound, but he wanted prayer so the mystery of the gospel would not be bound. You see, he was aware that, that the whole armor of God includes carrying out the gospel of peace. And, and how do we do that? We, we do that by prayer. How do, we, how do we fulfill our mission as soldiers, as, as Christians, as those commissioned into his army? How do we fulfill the mission he's called us to? We do that in prayer under God's direction and control alert to God's purposes and I, I look in, in 2 Timothy 4.16 Paul towards the end of his life he's recording the results probably of his standing before Caesar and look what he says he says at my first defense for 2 Timothy 4.16 at my first defense no one supported me but all deserted me may it not be counted against them but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me 
The proclamation might be fully accomplished and the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory now and forever. Though Paul was alone, he was not alone. Though you might feel like you are alone, you are not alone. Paul had asked the Ephesians for prayer, the same church, by the way, that Timothy was over in the church in Ephesus, and we can see that God answered the Ephesians' prayers. Though no one supported him, the Lord stood with him. Paul was strengthened in him and able to fulfill his mission. Through our prayers to God, the God of all grace, God has immeasurable powers, he will strengthen us and enable us to be faithful in him. He'll enable us to take up his full armor. So as we close, I'm going to ask a, a couple questions. Do you regularly seek? Do you regularly ask? Do you regularly anticipate that God will answer your prayers? You see, whenever God's commanding us to to take up the armor, to pray, it's because God wants what's best for us. It's not to beat us over the head with another command to somehow be pleasing to him. No, we are already completely pleasing to him because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, because we are accepted in him. Now he says, because you're accepted in me, come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in time of need. He's saying, don't be be stupid. Don't, don't, Don't go away from me. Pray. Seek the Lord continually. Do do we seek God daily? Do we knock consistently? Do we ask regularly? Do we anticipate that he will open up the door to us as we knock? Do we pray in the spirit, looking to him to give us the words to pray, knowing he's always with us? You see, prayer doesn't, prayer doesn't make us impressive before God. Prayer's not about trying to impress other people. It's not about God being like, oh, whoa, man, their prayer was awesome. I mean, he's not like holding up placards like the Olympics and he's judging each one at like 5.5. That's a six. Ooh, that was a 9.5. That sounded especially holy, especially when you put that weird voice on. That's, that's not it. God says, come to me and pray because I'm your father. Come to me and pray because I'm ever with you. Don't deny yourself of the ability to stand in my power, stand in my power power through praying. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's what God says to us. God wants to bless us. So go ahead and ask the band to come up. If you could stand, please. We're gonna sing a song as we close. I want to leave you with this. We are never cut off. We're never alone. God's not distant. He's ever with us. Because of that, as our, as our loving Father, He won't give us stones. He, he, he'll give us every good gift. And so He calls us to pray in Him.